From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Cedric Granger. Good evening and welcome to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH, brought to you by J&K Contracting. Today is Tuesday, October 17th, a little bit cooler out there today, and we've had a lot of gray weather as of lately. We're going to try to bring that sunshine with this wonderful sports conversation we have for the next hour, an action-packed show, and I'm happy to say I'm not alone. I'm joined by Ethan Sargent. I know you've had some sicknesses here and there, but you worked through it all throughout this week, and you toughed it out, and we we appreciate the effort that you're putting in, and we're glad to have you back here at the station. Yeah, let me let me tell you, it, it was a pretty brutal Friday. I mean, I had a lot of fun, but we pushed through the sickness, and then the weekend definitely paid for it. Um, but now we're, uh, we're we're on the mend, not quite 100 percent yet, but we're definitely on the right track. And uh, yeah, excited to uh, attack this week. Yeah, all of Southeast Ohio, really thankful for that show, especially the folks out there in Vinton County. I know that that T.J. Carper interview, that was something that really resonated oh, with me. It was beautiful. Hearing that, and it was a really great segment. And once again, if you want to listen to those Football Friday Night shows, look up Total Media, and you'll see all the recordings for our shows. You do not want to miss that T.J. Carper interview. It was fantastic. They're on uh, Spotify as well. I yep, think, Spotify. Uh, there as well. Yep, all throughout it, whichever one you want to go, podcast, tune in. That T.J. Carper interview should be at about the, if I do some quick math here, at about the 30, 35-minute mark, if you wanted to listen to that, because it's worth worth the 20, 25 minutes. It's absolutely worth it. It certainly is. And one other thing that's been pretty good for you, the Bengals getting back into winning ways. Ohio State, they didn't fall for the trap game as well, too, so a couple of good things. Obviously, our Bobcats, uh, tough luck on the road at NIU. We'll talk about all of that. We'll start off with a little Monday Night Football. Football, checking on the NFL power rankings, then we'll move on to the Diamond Playoff Baseball. It is rolling in the Phillies. They continue to roll as they picked up a big win over the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. They just can't lose in the playoffs right now. They are up two to nothing already against their in-state rivals, the Houston Astros. Then we'll talk a little Blue Jackets, check in on how their first three games have gone, and then jump over to the Bobcat football side to check in on Ohio football and see what the Bobcats need to do to get back into winning ways with their matchup coming up this week against Western Michigan. Let's get started, though, with a little bit of Monday Night Football. Wrapping up the week, you had the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Los Angeles Chargers to end off Week 6. And Dak Prescott, I think he quieted some haters with his performance here tonight. 21 for 30, 272 yards, one touchdown. I should say last night as opposed to tonight. Dak Prescott also dangerous on the ground, even seven carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, That's usually one of those stat lines I see with Lamar Jackson where you have the 200 yards passing, 40 to 50 yards rushing. And you combine all that, that is a 300-yard day for Dak Prescott. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. That is a huge win for the Cowboys on the road. And for the sake of the AFC North, this helps a lot too to have the Chargers drop another one in the wildcard race. Yeah, I I think that I was very impressed with with Dak Prescott's poise yesterday. You know, oftentimes, especially when when the lights shine brightest in the primetime, he he gets pretty criticized because he tends to make some awful decisions. Just look at last week against San Fran where he made some pretty terrible decisions. I think he learned from those mistakes um, against that Niners team um, and played, you know, very mistake-free football. And you know what? That's what you have to do at the end of the day if you're going to win football games is you have to play mistake-free. And I thought that Dak did that. However, uh, I actually, I want to look at the other side because I do not think Justin Herbert played mistake-free. I think that he made a couple big mistakes, especially late in that football game. Uh, Not even, so the interception obviously was the big one at the end there. But I want to talk about the sack before that play because the sack really cost them because it put 
pushed them just that little bit farther back from that game-tying field goal. It really just caused all sorts of headaches offensively because now you got to open it up. You got to open up the playbook. You got to go deeper. And, and I just felt, and again, the thing with the Chargers is it almost just never feels like they're in control. Never, and during this game, it was the same thing. Never felt like they were in control of this football game when it was there to be taken control of. I mean, it was it was very much a open game, and better teams may have stepped in, you know, and stamped their authority. Um, Los Angeles didn't do that. Uh, they left a lot of points on the field, uh, made a lot of mistakes. Dallas's defense crunched down when it needed to, and then Stephon Gilmore with that late interception to seal the deal. Um, but yeah, as you said, the Chargers are two and three, which is not good at all um, for a team that had playoff wild card expectations, maybe even challenged Kansas City. But I mean, Kansas City is sitting pretty right there atop the AFC West. Already got, yeah. I think, a, uh, a five and uh, one. So they got a two game lead <laughs> two game over lead the Raiders, the, who actually just Raiders. passed the Chargers. Yeah, because the Raiders have picked up a couple of wins here, right. and the Raiders I think play a one and five Bears team next. Mm-hmm. So that's a chance for them. To yeah, the Raiders could there. definitely string together a couple of wins. But again, I don't think that's a team that can challenge Kansas City and it's no. just again Kansas City just continue to I mean look remember this time last year when that was supposed to be the year when you had the Broncos on the up and then you had the Chargers and then the Raiders with with Devontae Adams you're like wow you know maybe there's a few teams nope nope it's and, and to be fair Kansas City I mean they're five and one but they've shown a couple cracks this year they have not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination the offense is still you know, I mean, they only scored 19 points on the league's worst scoring defense in Denver. So, you know, there are significant issues to fix in Kansas City, but for right now, they're they're sitting pretty. And going over to back to the Chargers, looking at two and three, they they're staring. Brandon Staley's staring down the barrel right now. He is in big big trouble. And I think that if the Cowboys get, or excuse me, if the Chargers go into their bye. And they're still under 500. Ben Staley might be in big trouble. I don't know if he makes it through the season. Uh, actually, they already have had their bye. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense. But still, yeah. if we're... <laughs> they're going to play the Chiefs next week, by the way, too. So that <laughs> doesn't make sense. If, if we're talking in, like, like we're in week... Uh, this was the last game of week six. And if it's week 11 or week 12, and they're four and four and eight or four and seven or... Yeah, five and, and seven, six yeah. even, or you know, anything worse than that. I, I think we might be looking at one of our first firings, if not the first firing. And then for the uh, for the Cowboys, it sucks when they're both C names. It's easy to mess <laughs> up. It is um, both blue teams too. But the Cowboys get a nice bounce back win. Uh, I think a lot of people started to write them off after that that pretty brutal loss. Uh, I mean, look, San Fran is going to do that, but again, the Browns showed that San Fran could be beaten, and they did that with, with a backup quarterback, and you know, very impressive performance by the the Browns defense. Really special stuff. Jim Schwartz got that got the boys cooking back there. It is yeah, but, I can't uh, wait to hit on more of that when we go to oh, the power yeah, rankings. That's going to be yeah. yeah we're we're going to talk about that more because I really I, I was probably the most impressive performance of any unit was the Browns defense. But for the Cowboys, you know, back to it. They they'll appreciate Eagle loss. Uh, they're they're just one game back still in the end. East, not going to let the Eagles run away with it. Um, very much everything still in their own hands. Still two matchups to play against Philadelphia. Yeah, so that's something that Dallas has to look forward to. And I think one thing with Dak Prescott going back to that is when you play for the Cowboys, you're always going to be under the microscope. You're on primetime almost every week or on national television to some degree. So yep. if you are a quarterback that maybe goes 5-3 and three on primetime, those three losses are really going to stand out, especially the way that they lost to San Francisco last week, especially yeah. given that their season has ended at the hands of the 49ers twice in a yep. row. That really resonates with a lot of people and a lot of fans. And, of course, sports media, whenever the Cowboys lose, it is an absolute field day mm-hmm. for guys like Stephen A. Smith. Stephen if you didn't a. even right. hear, he made $1,000. He had a bet. Huh. Some of his co and got 1000 I don't know. <laughs> Might be insider trade. Who knows? But it was something that was really funny um, watching that on the pregame show uh, when he was there for that. But, like I said, the Chargers, you have so much talent year in, year out. You think this year is going to be the year. You think last year was supposed to be the year, and they did put it together and at least made the playoffs, but then they blow the massive lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars after getting four picks in the first half, and 
again, it's just got to be upsetting for the Chargers. I know they've had some injury issues with Mike Williams going down, but Keenan Allen really stepped up. Austin Eckler absolutely shut down by the Cowboys' rush defense. And right now, Ethan, I don't think I've seen an NFL where there's been so many good front sevens. It's crazy. Yeah, and the Chargers have one of them, to be to be fair. Um, Khalil Mack's been pretty good this year. He's obviously had that six-sack game and added another sack yesterday. I- I'm really concerned about Quentin Johnston. Um, you know, the Chargers spent the 22nd overall pick on him, um, took him ahead of a number of other receivers who we've seen thrive. Quentin Johnson, just six catches on 13 targets for 44 yards this season. And look, when you see guys like obviously JSN, it took a couple games, but now like especially this week against Cincinnati, we saw JSN really start to integrate a little bit more into that Seattle Zay offense. Flowers, a person Zay they Flowers, could have picked. he's been dominant been for the playing Ravens. very well for Baltimore. On pace, actually, for a hundred catches and over a thousand yards. Yeah, right now. very impressive, and I think that he's been he's been very good, an important piece that Baltimore has been needing. Uh, if rule out that uh, performance against Pittsburgh, of course. Yeah, um, he got punched in the throat, so <laughs> I think uh, yeah. he got better as the game Look went on. Look at Puka Nakua in L.A. Uh, on the other side. I mean, the Rams threw a, a little pick at him, and there he is, you know, playing well. Hell, look at look at Cincinnati. I mean, Andre Yosevas is a dude nobody yeah. had really heard of, and he goes and catches. Is a touchdown this weekend. That was so, big. And, and and a lot of teams have hit on receivers because again, I, I think every year, and we're going to see it even more in this upcoming draft. Because let me tell you, when we get closer to March and April, this is one of the deepest wide receiver classes of all time. It, it could rival 2011 with how deep it is. It'll be nuts, um, and it's going to keep being oh, that way just, year after it's so, year. It's so you know the level the level of college football just continues to rise, and that's a conversation for a whole probably an off season sports fan because in we're in season, there's just so much else to talk about. But I mean, I'm concerned about. Because he's not running meaningful routes, he's not getting meaningful targets, and he's not catching the football. And, you know, when you spend a first-round pick on someone, you're expecting pretty significant output pretty quickly. Look, the Bengals took the year on Dax Hill because they had the luxury of having a very, very high-quality roster where... Before last year, they had two high-quality safeties. Now they let Dax Hill sit for a year. He develops. And now this year, Dax Hill's playing pretty good football as a free safety in year two. That's what you're expecting out of a first-round pick. And this guy was picked 22nd overall. And he has barely touched uh, an important reception. Cannot happen. No, especially with Mike Williams out. You think this would be the time for him to step up. Exactly. You'd think that he would take that step and become... You know that 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 hidden piece, but it just has not happened, and it really is concerning to see if you're a Charger fan. Yeah. So the Chargers once again they fall to the Cowboys, 20 to 17 on Monday Night Football, and to kind of wrap up the NFL with the week now being over, the newest power rankings have come out on ESPN. Uh, and here's how it goes: We'll show and look at the kind of big movers. 49ers they do stay at number one. Chiefs jump up to two. Dolphins move up a spot. Eagles. They fall to. So the 49ers, they don't fall any spots after their loss. But the Eagles, they are hit a little bit by dropping two spots after their loss to the Jets. Then the Lions, they're up at five. Bills up at six. Cowboys, they stay at seven. The Browns, they move all the way to number eight, jumping the Ravens, who were at 11, and they move up to nine. Jaguars are at 10. Buccaneers, they fall a couple of spots. Here come the Bengals. They go from 18 to 12, and one of the biggest movers, of the entire week. That's actually the second highest mover of the entire week. Seattle, they fall down after their loss to Cincinnati. They've now dropped a couple in a row. Uh, Chargers, 13. They moved down a little bit. Actually, yeah, they only moved down one spot. Kind of crazy. And then here's the biggest mover, Jets. They go from 24 to 16. The rest of it, not too relevant. I see the Falcons, they fell down significantly. The Raiders, even though they're 3-3, three and three, not a lot of people high on them. Uh, some notable low teams, the Patriots fell below the Bears, Broncos lower than the Patriots and the Panthers dead last, but they actually played pretty well against Miami, at least on offense. Anything stand out from that, Ethan? Um, this Detroit team is unbelievable. And I, I don't... You're telling me. I, yeah, I mean, look, you got Baltimore plays Detroit this week. That's a 
marquee matchup. I think outside of the Sunday night game, it's probably the second best game on the on the slate for next week, which is a very good slate. And I'm glad the Bengals are off because they I can sit back, kick my feet up, and watch Red Zone, which is a nice thing to do. <laughs> uh, dancing, a stress yeah. a stress free Sunday coming up for for Bengals fans this weekend. Uh, but yeah, a lot of can work well. A lot of early a lot of early AFC North buys. We already saw Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh was off this week. Now the Bengals are off this coming week. Uh, and again, I remember back in 2021, the Bengals went into their buy at 500. This is the, I believe, the third year in a row, actually, that the Bengals are going into their buy at 500. In 2021, they went in after the, um, oh, man. But they, 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 they came out and they needed to win games. I believe they were 5-4. and four. At the bye, and then uh, so one game over 500, and then they 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 had to go on the road to a pretty good Las Vegas team, who they would end up, of course, rematching in the playoffs. Came out and won that game pretty convincingly, and then they went on a run. That's right. Four four last year got their hide taken against Cleveland on the road on Monday Night Football. Brutal. Right, they go into the bye. Jamar Chase wasn't healthy, if you remember. Um, they got a couple guys healthy. They figured it out, and then they they lit a fire. And they won 10 games in a row and didn't lose till the AFC Championship game. This year, it might be their most important buy yet. They go into 3-3. Three and three. They're, they're limping a little bit, the Bengals. They, you know, they, they've won their last two games in very different fashions. Um, defense played very well on Sunday. Did the job. Trey Hendrickson did what he needed to do. That front finally generated good pressure against the offensive line of Seattle. Um, made Geno Smith kind of revert back to his old Jets form a little bit. Um, did what they needed to do to win the football game. And the offense showed up early, went away late. It's a concern. The Bengals have to put together complete football games. You have to play complementary football. And they didn't really do it against Seattle. And look, they, they came away with the win, right? And that's all that will matter at the that's end of the right. day is the one in the record. But you know they, they they can't play that way in two weeks when they play San Fran or they'll they'll get run out of that building. Yeah, you just can't. got the pieces. You had the a good offensive performance against the Cardinals, a little bit to be desired on defense against Arizona. Then this past week, yep. your offense was there in the first half. I thought it was actually going to be a complete shootout after the first what it fifteen like it minutes. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then things kind of switched up and it became a defensive slugfest where your defense they played like the red zone defense of last year. Oh yeah, every, throughout the late oh, part of the uh, game. Yeah, the the one biggest stamp of Lou Anarumo's defense is bend but don't break. I mean, we've seen it throughout the past three years where they've made key stand after key stand. Remember the the 2021 playoffs where they stand they have the stand against Las Vegas at home. They have the crazy stand at the end of the AFC Championship game where the Raiders, or excuse me, the, the Chiefs, if you remember, had, had first a goal with about 20 seconds or no, about 30 seconds left. But the Bengals managed to hold them to a field goal and almost made Mahomes fumble there at the end of the game. I mean, that was panic and craziness all over the place. Yeah. Um, I think then, of, uh, of course, last year, the Ravens game, the fumble. Yep. Taken, I remember that, yep. of course. Of course. Um, and then some other big examples, the Patriots game, where you guys yeah. forced the fumble late in that one, too. So there's just a lot of examples of what you guys have been able to do. Yeah. So it's like you have both bits and pieces. The Bengals have shown... With the offense, they've had their moments. The defense, they've had their moments. And it's just like, can you piece that mm-hmm. together? If you do, I think you can beat San Francisco. And I think the Bengals have a chance to go on another if, big if, run. If they could, you know, the, the, there is still the Super Bowl contender is still in this football team. They didn't, They haven't, you know, knock on wood, they have not had any significant serious injuries yet. Um, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. kind of looked like he tweaked something a little bit in that game. Didn't play much in the second half, but, you know, a, a full two weeks of recovery should mean he's all good for San Fran. San Fran is kind of limping a little bit right now. They they have a lot of injuries um, that, you know, cost them against Cleveland. I want to switch gears over to that because I want to talk about Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, they deserve, too. <laughs> they deserve the airtime. I mean, P.J. Walker didn't play particularly well through two picks. Um, you know, didn't really do anything that jumped off the screen on the tape or anything like that. But, you know, he did enough. And really, you know, it's just hats off to everybody on that Browns defense. The secondary, you know, forced Brock Purdy into making a lot of tough decisions that he was not used to making. He's so used to having guys like Ayuk and Samuel come open easily. And the Browns defense is so well schemed that everything is just getting covered. 
and Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson all played extremely well on the back end. Juan Thornhill played well. Um, Garrett was doing Garrett things. Yeah, you know, even against Trent Williams, he was still doing what he does. Zadarius Smith, Ogbonkaronko is one of the most underrated edge rushers in football. I wanted the Bengals to sign him in the offseason. The Browns did sign him. Great depth edge piece. Great guy to be able to bring off of the bench on third down and cause chaos. And it happened there at the end of that game. He got that late sack uh, on Purdy on the the drive before the Browns took the lead. Or the drive, yeah, the drive before the drive. He got the Browns ball back. Browns drove down, scored. And then it looked like San Fran were going to go and win the game. Uh, But then uh, former Michigan kicker Jake Moody uh, booted it wide right from 41 yards and well they you know but it was by the skin of their teeth sure a little bit of luck but Cleveland won't care and honestly I think it was a lot more of that defense than luck they did what they needed to do it is. Um, and they could claim that victory as a as a prominent one that's one that I mentioned last week on the AFC North show I liked how the I wanted to see how the Browns defense worked against 49ers offense I knew if anybody could stop them it was probably that Browns defense and that's what ended up playing out in person and with that win by Cleveland win by Cincinnati as well too the AFC North all of a sudden is the best division in football from top to bottom. Yeah, At least nobody... just objectively in terms of records, but nobody's below three wins. Nope. No easy outs. Everyone is 500 or above. And right now, like you said, the bye week's really helping out the team's early Steelers just uh, coming off theirs. Bengals going into theirs. Cleveland had a bye before San Francisco. Ravens, theirs is week 13, mm-hmm. so they've got a long way to go even after this London trip. So it does get tricky for that case. But right now, the AFC North, it's as tough as it gets in terms of a division and that makes me feel pride of course as an AFC North fan to see all the teams doing well and that this physical hard-nosed playing style we haven't even seen it we haven't seen a divisional game between uh the two teams in the division since the Ravens Steelers game like we didn't see any this week I don't believe no Uh, we won't see any next week I don't think I think the next one we'll see is I think the Browns uh play um, maybe it might be Ravens. Sure. Actually, it's either that or you, when do you guys play uh, Pittsburgh at this point? We don't play. Both of the Bengals Steelers games are very late in the season. Interesting. Uh, then it might be Ravens Browns because that's coming up in not very long. Or Ravens Bengals. One of the Ravens Bengals is that Thursday night game in a few weeks. Yeah, we might uh, we might pull the trigger yeah, on that one. We might. <laughs> we, we will have to talk about that. Cedric and I might take a little trip uh, down to uh, T Bank. I've been we've been once before that crazy game back in 2021 <laughs> between the Ravens and the Colts with our good. friends friend Carl uh, that was quite the viewing experience for a neutral fan I'll say but no the Bengals take on the Steelers in uh, what week is that so this is week 6 8 9 10 11 week 12 uh, it's a Sunday game that's the 26th so Thanksgiving weekend they'll play the Steelers and then they'll play them again uh, on the 23rd of December and that's that 4:30 NBC game everybody plays on Saturday I believe yeah uh, it's the week and after a couple of Mondays titles. yeah so, yeah, a couple of Mondays as yep, well. A little so, Christmas slate, but yeah. that's going to be interesting. I'll say that. It's kind of funny that that's the only matchup right now we haven't really seen yet um, in this combination of AFC North teams. So that one will loom large. I think that will mean a lot for the division standings uh, with the stands right now. But just a reminder, Ravens, they're 4-2. and two. Browns, 3-2. and two. Steelers, 3-2. and two. And Bengals, 3-3. Three and three. So that's how it looks in the AFC North. But we'll take a break. A little bit of NFL talk. Always fun to see how this season tracks. It's super intriguing. But something else that's pretty intriguing is baseball. We'll talk a little bit about the series yesterday in the AL and NLCS. You're listening to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Are you looking for a fun, challenging, and rewarding career? 970 AM, 97.3 FM, WATH is looking to hire a new media consultant. This person will work largely outside of the office meeting with clients and prospective clients, proposing advertising and marketing solutions to ensure customer satisfaction. A critical part of this position is building relationships with clients and learning about their needs. Sales and media experience are preferred but not required. For more information, visit yourtotalmedia.com. An initiative by Ohio Health that is extending a helping hand to those navigating the challenging journey of grief. 
Morning Coffee, an Ohio Health Bereavement Support Group, is providing a supportive space for anyone mourning the loss of a loved one. Held on the second Friday of each month from 9 to 11 a.m. at the Athens Public Library, this free grief support group aims to create a comforting environment for participants. During each meeting, participants can enjoy local coffee as they share and find solace. To attend, registration is required. Call 740-517-4321 or email kelsey.funk at ohiohealth.com providing your name, phone number, and email address. The group is expertly facilitated by Kelsey Funk MSW LSW who offers compassionate guidance through the grieving process. This week on Football Friday Kickoff. Playoff contenders are in the stretch and heading for home. We'll break down the possible playoff scenarios from the final week of the regular season. Plus, preview conference title deciding games in the SOC 2, MBL Big, and MSL Buckeye. All this and more on Football Friday Kickoff, live from the Holzer Health System Studio. Friday at 5 on Pure Rock 105 WXTQ. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. I know a lot of places that are jumping around right now. Philadelphia, that's the place that is. If you've seen that home crowd, it is absolutely insane for this Phillies playoff run so far. But you're listening to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH with Cedric Granger and Ethan Sargent. Glad to be here with you on a Tuesday. A little cloudy outside, a little bit chilly, but it's that wonderful fall weather. And it makes it really great for like a, a nice warm coffee or a nice warm tea. Uh, but now going into another thing that's going on right now, October baseball. It's the playoffs. And we had some good matchups. You heard me talk about the Philadelphia Phillies, and they just continue to stay hot with the bats. They win 5-3 over the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1 of the NLCS. And for the Phillies, once again, just a day where their bats, just from the jump, first yep. pitch from Gallon, Schwarber sent it to the moon. Uh, it was a no doubter uh he he loves to just just whack those again i think i mentioned this like a couple weeks ago when we were talking baseball kyle schwarber has one of the strangest stat lines in all of baseball i mean this guy has 47 home runs and is still batting under 200 he either hits at a mile or he doesn't hit it at all and it, it look at the end of the day if he does something like what he does last night then that that'll do for the phillies because they got plenty of other guys in their lineup that can hit the ball well bryce harper has been hitting the ball extremely well nick castellanos is red hot he's got five home runs in three games now um Trey Turner, you know, he hasn't had the long ball really. He's had a couple or a home run or two, but it's been for him. It's just been chipping away, getting small small pieces and continuing to move. And then Bryce Harper just continuing to elevate his superstar status. Um, nobody really could probably stand to win a ring more than Bryce Harper on that Phillies team. Just it would elevate his legacy so much. Uh, to get him that that World Series ring, and you know the the Arizona, they're a young team. They gotta bounce back and find a way to uh, get back in this series. And it starts tonight. Um, they they did actually you know fight back uh, towards the end of that game. They were down five nothing. They made it interesting there in the last couple innings. Made it five three. Um, I can't remember who homered last night, but it was one of their uh, Perdomo. Yeah, it was Perdomo, who's their uh, their nine hitter tonight. Um, they're gonna need Corbin Carroll to continue to be um, the the star he's been as a rookie, um, and they're gonna have to get a good pitching performance tonight out of um, Merrill Kelly, who's gonna have to step up. He was very good in the regular season. Then again, so was Zach Allen. Zach Allen's probably your NL Cy Young. And Merrill Kelly is has the unenviable task of trying to shut down this red-hot Phillies uh, hitting staff. Yeah, with Gallon, with his matchup yesterday, he's a guy that really loves his fastball. He loves the aggressive style of pitching. And when you have that going against a Phillies lineup, that's something that they can prey on. If they're hitting the fastball really well and they're hitting it for velocity, it's not going to be a good day for you. And Gallon, five innings pitch. I'll give him his credit, though. He worked through a lot. He was able to get out of some jams, a couple of double plays forced by the Diamondbacks and a couple of nice plays by the defense behind him to get out of some situations with two or three runners left on base. But speaking of great pitching, Wheeler, Zach Wheeler, 
fantastic performance. He rolled from inning one after he gave up the opening hit to Carroll to about inning five. Didn't allow anything. He had a streak of 15 straight batters retired, if I recall correctly, before yielding the home run in his final inning of work. But that's just really impressive stuff. The Phillies pitchers between Wheeler and Nola, they have just been fantastic at giving Philadelphia the start they need. And when they do that, it allows the bats to really get that crowd going, get everybody rambunctious early. And it's just crazy how they really started off the game just with a massive home run. And then Harper, on his birthday, no less, picking up a home run as well, too. They move in Schwarber to that leadoff spot is interesting as well, too, uh, especially since he's not a guy that usually hits for contact, which is what you really want high on base percentage guys to start things off usually. But that switch, it ended up paying off for the Phillies. Um, are you looking at the lineup potentially for tonight? Uh, yeah. I yeah, are they um, keeping Schwarber in the one hole, or are they moving yeah, him down? Yeah, they, 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 they do, I think. Oh, if it would load again. Great, there it goes. I, I think when I was looking just a second ago, I believe that we did have, yeah, Schwarber. So the lineup is Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Bohm, Stott, Real Muto, Castellanos, Marsh, and Rojas. So Castellanos down to seven. I think they just like having him there because, um, I mean, when you have all those four names at the top of the order, the Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Bohm, I mean, that those are all guys that can contribute and contribute in different ways. And I think they just want, you know, you want to spread out your lineup. You want to have... You know, it's not necessarily just best hitter first, worst hitter last. You there's a lot of tough decisions you got to make with where you put guys in the lineup, That's and right. you got to think about over a nine inning game. You know where your opportunity is going to fall because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about those two or three moments in a baseball game where, you know, you, you who do you want stepping up to the plate with you know first and third and one out? Who do you want stepping up to the plate with no one on? You know, and it's tough sometimes to make those decisions because you don't know what's going to happen. But I, I like this Phillies lineup because. There really is a lot of different things you have to face. Um, there's a lot of different types of hitters in this lineup. And, you know, there's also a lot of people that can hurt you in this lineup. And it's a tough lineup to continue to work through as, you know, the Diamondbacks try and climb out of the 1-0 hole. That's right. Even if with, like yesterday, the Phillies, they got a lot of production from the bottom part of their order. Usually they bring Rojas out because they like his defensive capabilities in center field. He had yep. a double yesterday. Marsh got in the mix, too, one for three. And when you're getting that sort of production on top of the home runs by your household names from Schwarber to Turner to Harper to Real Muto to Castellanos, who's been rolling – this is a hard team to stop. It really is. But the Diamondbacks, like you said, they fought really hard. They had a strong final three innings of the matchup. So they'll look to try to do the same thing and continue that momentum from the final three innings into tonight's game. Should be a good one and one that I will be watching pretty intently here. And then the other matchup, we'll switch over to uh, down south in the Lone Star State and the Rangers. They take two on the road in Houston, 5-4, to four, trying to knock off a team that's really a veteran of the ALCS, seven straight appearances. But the Rangers, one win away now. Yeah, and well, I think they're two wins away. Or two uh, wins, yeah. yeah. The, the CS, the CS is seven. That's right, seven yeah, three, games. five, seven, that's right, um, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, Houston showed maturity, or excuse me, um, the Rangers showed maturity beyond their years. Um Nathan Uvalde at the bottom of the fifth, bases jacked, no one out. They kept him in the game, and he worked his way through it without giving up any runs, which was extremely impressive. And in the end, it was it was the determining factor and the reason why <clears throat> the um, the Rangers ended up winning that baseball game. It was just a crazy uh, important win to get that on the road to get to Framber Valdez early who's been so good uh in the playoffs for Houston and in general um to put four runs on him in the first inning um you know weather the storm late in the game and hang on for the crucial win um you know we've always known that this Ranger lineup if it comes together can be a very good baseball team, right? When you've got Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, you know, the talented rookie Yash Young, you know, you've got guys that can make plays. And you've got guys that can, you know, 
win you baseball games. Jonah Heim at catcher, Nathaniel Lowe at first base, also important baseball players. And then you've got a great pitching staff. We might see Max Scherzer return to the mound here as they as yeah, the series he's set head back to return to, for game three. As it heads back to Arlington here, he'll probably take the ball in game number three, as he just said. And you know, they've got a pen that I think if there is a question mark about the team, it is in the bullpen or all this Chapman gave up his obligatory homer to um, uh, Jose Altuve because Yankees fans, even when they're not in the playoffs, just have to get tortured somehow. Um, but now uh, the Rangers are in firm control of this series, which is not something many people probably would have predicted when they started the series. But at the end of the day, I mean, these teams went into the, the, the postseason with the same record. You know, there there's these two teams that are not too far away from each other in terms of talent, in terms of how they did in the regular season. This was not a, you know, David versus Goliath story here. This is a Texas team that's played well all year and has absolutely found it here in the playoffs. And you know, they they're going to be a real tough team to stop. And Houston has to win Game Three. Yeah, they're putting in a really tough spot, but they can lean on guys like Jordan Alvarez. It's a team that has experience, and he had two home runs in the game yesterday. So we'll see what happens with this series. This was a very compelling matchup, um, especially when it came to the matchups in the LCSs. And right now, the Rangers continue their hot streak in the playoffs. A little bit of revenge for how they had a cold streak to end the year. And the Astros, they got hot at the end of the regular season. It's crazy how once the playoffs start, it can be a total flip of the coin. Now moving on, just we'll talk a little bit about the Blue Jackets here and hit on them before we talk about the Bobcats and go into our next break. Blue Jackets, they start off the season 1-2. and two. Their first matchup against the Flyers, they got it to within one late, and then the Flyers able to get one goal late with the uh, empty net situation, and that's how the matchup ended 4-2. to two. Rangers game was a really good one for the Blue Jackets, though. They showed a lot of promise. Boone Jenner... Three goals in that game. He pulled off the hat trick and really put the Blue Jackets on their back to win on Cannonite, which, of course, I love those alternate jerseys whenever the Jackets rock those. And then yesterday, a really painful loss for the Jackets, losing 4 to nothing to the Red Wings. So right now, Blue Jackets already in a pretty early hole in the Metropolitan Division. Obviously, it's still early, but the only team with two losses right now. Yeah, and look, again, it's going to be another year in Columbus where you have to think about how do you develop this team into becoming, you know, getting back to where they've been in the past. You know, how do you get this team to be a cup contender? Um, you know, the the development of Adam Fantilli is going to be a priority number one. Um, you're going to want to see strides from him this season. You're going to want to see him begin to contribute. You don't have to be an all-star. He doesn't have to be the best player on the ice every night. But you want to start seeing him take the strides to show that he could be a star defenseman, which I do think he can. I think that he could take those steps and become a very talented NHL player. He is a very talented NHL player. I think he could become a star and use those talents to become a star, and then it's about building the rest of that staff. Continue to see Johnny Gaudreau be a good, you know, be a good hockey player and step up, um, and just have a lot of these guys continue to contribute. Um, it's just about sticking in it for as long as possible and continuing to kind of see where it goes, at least for the first month, and then you can reevaluate a little bit closer in November and start to see where you are and think about the rest of the think about the rest of the team that's right it's a good way of kind of approaching this season right here is just like i said that player development and making sure that each of your lines like you said just mature and getting connected to each other and see what this team can do and hopefully good health throughout this entire season as well too and you're starting off with a couple of home games this will be their fourth home game coming up this friday against calgary so they'll have a chance against the flames to try to pick up another win before they finally head on the road and they'll have a couple of road tests coming up here including against the minnesota wild uh get the new york islanders coming up as well too uh so some big matchups down the line for the blue jackets we'll keep our eye on that as the season goes on but we'll take another break when we come back we'll talk a little bit of ohio bobcat football here on the sports fan on 970 w-a-t-h Hello, football fans. This is Voice of the Bulldogs, Cedric Granger. After Athens' dominant 54-8 win at River Valley, the Dogs look to take down their rivals, the Nelsonville York Buckeyes. Can Athens make it five wins in a row and solidify their playoff spot? Find out on Friday. 
Join me and analyst Matt Frazee at 6.45 p.m. on 970 WATA. What does Holzer mean to me? It's home. It's opportunity. It's community. It's a place where coworkers are friends and friends become family. It's a place that supports my community and a place where I know I can make a difference. Discover your opportunities right here at Holzer. Think Holzer first. Spins it in his hand, shoots it up the middle of the field. Fleming caught at the 10 and into the end zone. Fleming for a touchdown. Julian Fleming just ran under that ball from the middle of the field and from 36 out, Ohio State's gone on top by another touchdown. This is the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels. Ohio State returns home Saturday as they host the Penn State Nittany Lions. We'll be on the air with the AEP Energy Buckeye pregame show beginning at 10.30 a.m. here on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. Welcome back into the studio. Cedric Granger and Ethan Sargent here with you. And we're getting ready to jump into a little bit of Ohio Bobcats football. The 5-2 Ohio Bobcats, fortunately falling on the road to NIU. That's always a tough place to play out in DeKalb. And the Bobcats, they found that out firsthand, losing 23-13 to the 2-4 Northern Illinois Huskies. And this was a game where the turnovers came aplenty for the Bobcats. Three interceptions in that second half. A lot of them just backbreakers. And overall, just a rough out for Ohio against NIU. But still, everything is ahead of them. But this one, very frustrating just from looking at how the Bobcats have really trended going into this game. Yeah, the, the second half was rough. I, I mean, they the, the first half, they, they get punched in the mouth early with that, that long Gavin Williams touchdown run, but they, they did settle in quite nicely in the first half. Second quarter was dominated by the Bobcats. Uh, Curtis Rourke scored a touchdown early in the quarter with a, on a third and goal with a nice little option run. Uh, right up into uh, right off the right side uh fake the defender a little bit by faking the option pitch and then just took it right in walked in make the take the bobcats first lead of the day and then they padded that lead very late on in that half with a really nice drive um to get into field goal range not enough time to get in the end zone but enough time to get a nice field goal so you're up six at the half and you got to be feeling pretty good considering how you started the game but the mistakes started early three and out on offense gave it straight back to the Huskies and then they went right down the field and scored uh, Rocky Lombardi had that long touchdown pass on third and short it's Grayson Barnes it's been the Bobcats I mean the defense has been so phenomenal all year long but the Achilles heel has been those long passing plays um, Grayson Barnes had that 50 yard reception uh, gave NIU a lead they never give up Three more field goals throughout the game uh, gave the Huskies the 10-point win. Rourke, three interceptions. Just an uncharacteristic performance from Curtis Rourke. Um, a lot of the uh, the first interception was almost just a, a go ball. It felt like a, you know, it very much wasn't, but it felt like a Hail Mary at the end of a game where you're just trying to get anything, and he just threw it up towards Miles Cross, and the safety comes over and makes a relatively routine pick. Um, the second one was another one where he just it just goes right to a defender. And this one wasn't a Hail Mary. It was an underneath pass, and it's just straight to a black shirt. And I have the root cause, right? And this is a little bit more superstitious than there it you is. Go. What you uh, got? That it is actual football related. But you win, you win five games in a row in green helmets, and you go to the white helmet, which hasn't, which is notorious for being unlucky, and you lose. <laughs> I'm just I mean, saying. it has been a pattern this season. <laughs> it has, it has. And and look, I do think uh you know, I think the Bobcats will get things right. They get they get Western Michigan at home. They know how big and how important that game against Miami in a couple weeks is, but they will absolutely not overlook Western Michigan. They know they need to pick some momentum back up. Uh, to go into that um, Miami game ready to go because they're going to have to play their best football to beat that Miami team. It's a really good Red Hawk squad. It's probably their biggest obstacle to getting to Detroit for the back title game. They have to beat Miami. Um, 
and it's going to be a really tough game. They're firing on all cylinders on both sides of the ball right now, Miami. They got a huge game this weekend against Toledo. That's going to be an awesome game to watch. Um, both of those two t- might be the best two teams not named Ohio in the MAC right now. That's right. Um, and they're just they're going to compete and they're going to battle. It could be a potential MAC title preview if the Bobcats now we want to don't have anything to say about it. But you know Ohio will have something to say about it, and uh, they have a big chance to have their say at Peden Stadium. They get for these next two weeks huge weeks. They have Western Michigan. They're favored. They should beat Western Michigan. They, they need to take care of business early in that game because then the big one, Miami, uh, just announced 3.30 uh, on CBS Sports Network. It's going to be on national television, just like this game, actually, both uh, this week and uh, against Miami. is going to be 3.30, or actually, no, Western Michigan's a noon game on CBS, CBS Sports, Sports Network, Network. On, on Saturday. And then this uh, Halloween weekend, 3.30 Eastern, it's going to be bouncing in Athens for one of the biggest in, uh Biggest um, iterations of the Battle of the Bricks in a very long time. Two of the best versions of the Red Hawks and the Bobcats. Yeah, it's really exciting to see the MAC really grow in the way that it is, and you're going to have so many exciting matchups. To remind you, the standings right now: Miami three and zero, six and one. They're in first in the MAC East, tied for second. Buffalo two and one. Ohio two and one. You can't sleep on the Buffalo Bulls this season. That's a road trip for the Bobcats after the Miami game, but there is time in between that game. It's a little half bye week as we switch over from the weekend games to the weekday games for a little weekday action during that time. Toledo 3-0, top of the other division in the MAC West. Central Michigan's 2-1, NIU now 2-1, Eastern Michigan 2-1 as well. So all teams to kind of keep an eye on, especially given that that Miami-Toledo game is going to hold a lot of weight in those individual division races. But one thing the Bobcats, they really need to improve, in my opinion, we talked about this before we got into the studio, Ethan, is just the run game. It doesn't seem like they're able to get as many chunk runs as they were able to do in prior seasons. You're not seeing any runs of 10, 15, 20 yards. You look at the NIU touchdowns. They had a big run of over 50 yards. You have not really seen that all season for the Bobcats, at least in terms of uh, the first three quarters of the game. You might have a couple. Navarro had like a 52-yard run against Kent Mm -hmm. State, if I recall right. But other than that, you don't really get those chunk runs from the running game. I don't know if it's the line matching up against the defensive line or just teams trying to shut down the big plays because the Bobcats tend to be a big play passing offense. It's just something that really is hurting Ohio in terms of their dimensionality, and that can render them one-dimensional late in games. Yeah, even just in general, the Bobcats are just struggling to run the football, period. Um, It's something that they've struggled with all season. It's been a serious problem um, really since the opening bell. Um, you know, last year, you know, they weren't necessarily a, a run dominant team, but they were able to get consistent gains in the run game. And it's not like there's been a ton of change, right? There's still four of the same five offensive linemen that started on last year's team. You've got the same running back. Um, it's just the adjustments that other teams have made and the schemes, uh, don't seem to be working as well this season. And I think that there's a couple different causes to this. Um, you know, like I said, a couple teams changing the scheming, trying to, you know, alter how they attack this Bobcat offense because, you know, I think a lot more teams last year, they were willing to leave the box open because they were afraid of what Curtis Work could do. And, and Curtis Work has still played pretty well, I would say, this season. Not, I don't think as well as he's played last year. This that obviously the NIU game was a pretty big stain, um, but he you know played very well against Bowling Green. Has had a couple other really nice games throughout the season, um, and I think that Curtis Work will start to get back to it this week against Western. I think that you know we saw flashes against Kent State as well, where oh, that was <laughs> there, you there, go, there you go, there you go. I, that, I didn't even mean to do that, <laughs> um, but that was uh, you know I think that Curtis will will be eager to shake the, off his performance from last week, this week against Western. I think that, you know, this Bobcat team, I think their mentality is very good. They they got a good, tight-knit group of guys in that locker room, good group of coaches that's going to keep them honest, keep them motivated. 
they're not going to let them sulk and cry and complain. They're going to get them right back to work, and I think that they will be in the lab this week. They'll be getting to work um, early and often, and they're going to want to get back against Western Michigan because they know those last four games, starting with Miami, all in division games, all very, very important games uh, that they're going to have to win if they want to achieve their goal of getting to Detroit. That's right. Remember last year when the Bobcats fell on the road to the Golden Flashes in a very frustrating game where they give mm-hmm. over 700 yards of total offense and after that the adjustments were made the defense really picked it up and went on its crescendo to where it's at right now and I think the Bobcats are in for a big bounce back let's say they get back on their horses against Western Michigan how about that all right so we're going to take one final break we come back a little bit of hot pick action and closing out the show thank you for joining us on the sports fan one more break one more segment stay with us on 970 WATH Game on. Fire to the end zone. Caught on the the house. Six for the Cats. Ohio wins. Through everybody. And he sprints. Six for the Cats. This Saturday, Ohio is back home as they welcome Western Michigan to Athens. The ball is caught. Back to the end zone. Beat this baby green and white. Our coverage begins at 11 a.m. on your home for Bobcats football. Bright and early for the Bobcats and Broncos. Local free games at 10 on the flagship. Here Rock 105 XTQ FM. What's going on? The city of Athens has announced its 2023 loose leaf pickup schedule beginning the week of October 16th. Area number one includes the north side, near east side, and far east side neighborhoods. Pickup in these neighborhoods will be from October 16th through the 20th, November 6th through the 9th, and November 27th to December 1st. Area number two includes the west side, Highland Congress area, University Estates, and uptown neighborhoods. Pickup in these neighborhoods will be from October 23rd to the 27th, November 13th to the 17th, and December 4th through the 8th. Area number three includes the south side, Old Coach, and Blackburn Hills neighborhoods. Pickup in these neighborhoods will be from October 30th to November 3rd, November 20th to the 22nd, and December 18th through the 15th. A final sweep will be conducted December 18th through the 22nd. Bagged leaf pickup will continue through the city's yard waste program. There is a $2 charge per bag. For pickups, call 740-592-3343 and leave a message. Tune in Friday night for the Athens County Game of the Week on Pure Rock 105. This week, it's a matchup of teams trying to end the season on the right foot as Alexander travels to Megs. Coverage will start with Football Friday kickoff at 5, with the coaches show at 6.30 and kickoff at 7. It's the Spartans and the Marauders, Friday on Pure Rock 105. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Rolling into our final segment of the day, Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting, Cedric Granger and Ethan Sargent, here with you for the hot picks. Ethan, what do you got for tonight? We're going to the Diamond. We're going to that game between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, game number two of the National League Championship Series. This Phillies offense is so red hot. I think that they can get to Merrill Kelly, and I think they're going to put up over one and a half earned runs on a Diamondbacks pitcher. Interesting. I'm also going to go into that matchup. I say Bryce Harper, two hits, two or more hits. In this matchup, that's what I'm going to go with a as sneaky, well, too. Another, I'm, this won't count for my hot pick, but another sneaky one as well. He's on a streak three games in a row now. Nick Castellanos plus 480 to hit a, a fourth straight game with a whole run. Yeah, see, his run has been exciting getting to see that. No part of Reds Nation, really happy about it, but also really sad about the what could have been yeah. with the Castellanos on this roster. Yeah. Maybe would have 
help to take them that mm. extra bit that they needed to I make do, the playoffs. I think the majority of Reds fans just really enjoy seeing him have the success that he's having in Philadelphia because, again, it's not like Nick Castellanos was like, get me out of Cincinnati. He That's was right. like, you know, I, I love that place. I really enjoyed playing there, and, you know, it just, you know, was what happened. So, um, I, you know, as a neutral, I love Nick Castellanos. I think he's an awesome baseball player, and it's uh, really cool to see him doing well. Yeah, it really is. So we'll keep our eye on that matchup, of course. With Ethan Sargent, I'm Cedric Granger. Wish you a goodbye here on the Sports Fan. Make sure to tune in to the games on your TV tonight. A little October baseball. And then, of course, throughout the rest of this week, we'll have a lot of different sports events. What a great time to be a sports fan. October, best time to be a sports fan, in my opinion. Don't hold me to it. Actually, do hold me to it. You guys all have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH.